Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker, and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights, and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Welcome to episode 34 of the Business Mastermind Podcast. Gavin here, your host. Uh, Mindset, that's going to be the subject of today. Every single week, I'm working with either individual entrepreneurial clients or I'm working with groups in larger organizations, helping them to improve their performance or offer a better service. You know, only this week I've been uh, working with a group of high potentials in one of the uh, international banks, helping them to engage better with their customers to have more uh, strategic conversations. And using the skills that I use with my clients, I'm teaching others to use with their clients and achieve a better result. Mindset came up key in that session this week. In fact, every session I have with a client. So I thought what I'd do is kind of like press pause um, for for this episode on the series of interviews that we normally do on a Monday and actually share with you the chapter on mindset or extracts from the chapter on mindset are from my upcoming book that is in the editing phase at the moment called Survive and Thrive. It's about how you can grow and scale and achieve success in your business. So there's a key chapter, the book's based around my six-step strategy compass model. Uh, go onto YouTube and go look for Gavin Preston 1 and look for a video on strategy compass because you'll see me explaining the whole strategy compass. But the six steps just quickly is by way of a reminder, um, our purpose, mindset, outcome, strategy, capability, and action and accountability as the six steps. So in this episode, I share with you an extract from step two, the chapter on mind, uh, which is mindset. So the chapter on mindset from my upcoming book, Survive and Thrive. Enjoy. Let's start with the Muhammad Ali quote, a well-known quote. Champions aren't made in the gym. Champions are made from something they have deep inside them. A desire, a dream, a vision. They have to have the skill and the will, but the will must be stronger than the skill. Changing your mindset will change the growth trajectory of your business. I'd like to explore with you why mindset is such a crucial component of scaling your business. I'll share with you or bring back into place things that you already know but maybe aren't using tools, powerful tools that will not only shift your thinking, but your business performance as well. As we explore the art of the possible, I'll raise your aspirations and reignite the fire within you, which was the reason of the cause for you to found your business in the first place. Now, I appreciate that for some, talk about mindset may lead to derision, which is why when I ran a program called W Business, I was really interested to see the responses of the business owners to these mindset tools that I'm going to be sharing with you. The more sceptical amongst you may be interested to learn that not only was the application and practice of these mindset tools vital in getting their businesses off to a strong start on their journey, it was the consistent application of them that turned out to be the difference that made the difference. So as Henry Ford says, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Now, I share the belief for most thought leaders that when that what we experience in our business and our lives today is a direct result of what we focused on and thought about in the past. 
Similarly, what we focus on and think about in the present will determine what we experience in the future. As human beings, we are creatures of habit. From the moment we open our eyes each day, many of us, we follow the same routine, almost on automatic pilot. Eating the same breakfast, traveling the same route to work, sitting in the same weekly meetings, in the same chair, in the same room. It's no wonder they call them bored rooms. If, however, your business performance has been plateauing, you need to start to think differently and to take different actions. And remember, that starts at the top. You also need to convince the people who work with you to think and act differently too. So is it actually possible to change our behavior rather than simply reverting to type? In my opinion, it is. I believe that what we, re- we revert to is our most practiced behavior rather than to type. To change our thought patterns and behaviour, we need to practice them. Where your attention goes, energy flows. One of the simplest and yet most profound lessons I've learned is that we get in life what we focus on. If you focus on the lack of cash in your business, a lack of cash will become a persistent problem. Even focus on getting out of debt is still a focus on debt. If you focus on what's going wrong in your business and are negative about its prospects, if you dismiss plausible ideas from those who are trying to help, You'll fail to take action, but you'll do nothing different. You'll keep experiencing the same problems. Dwelling on negative thoughts actually reroutes the neural pathways in our brains so that negativity becomes our default thought pattern. That won't work because, oh, I can't do that. We tried that before, but it didn't work. So instead, stop every negative thought in its tracks by asking, what's the good that can come from this? What are the things that I can do to turn this situation around? By expecting good things, you're more likely to take different actions and spot the opportunities that come your way. After studying the tools and the techniques that we can use to improve our mindset and personal performance for over 25 years, I've crystallized the best into a six-step model I call STRIVE. S being for state, T being for self-talk, R for rituals, I for identity, visualization, and E for empowering beliefs. So STRIVE, state, self-talk, rituals, identity, visualization, and empowering beliefs. So let's start with state. Richard Bandler and John Grinder, their work, known, you know, the founders of NLP, identified the importance of our emotional states and our performance. If two people with comparable qualifications and experience are interviewed for the same job, for example, but one lacks confidence while the other exudes it, the latter will perform better and be more likely to be offered the role. Their emotions are state of confidence will help them to come up with better answers to questions, while the, mi- while the mind of the nervous candidate is more likely to go blank. In other words, and as Bandler says, before you engage in any task, first you need to do is to get in the right state. Empowering states and disempowering states. So some states such as confidence and optimism and self-belief and calm, determination, focus, tenacity and being positive help us to achieve our our objectives. These are empowering states. But other states such as anxiety, fear, lack of confidence, pessimism, impatience, jealousy and being negative are disempowering. You can, however, use these emotions in a positive way to alert you to the need to change your state. For example, feeling impatient is a sign that something is blocking your progress. Find out what that is, remove that block and allow that pent up energy to propel you forward in the direction that you want to go. 
change your state? Well, according to author and strategist Tony Robbins, there are three things you can do to change that state. Focus, language and physiology. So let's look at focus. Changing what you're thinking about. What you picture in your mind changes how you feel. In other words, it changes your state. Take advantage of this by consciously choosing what you think about. Spend time every day focusing on the results that you do want to achieve and remembering amazing experiences and the people you shared them with. You'll soon discover that reliving there changes the way that you feel. Music is another powerful state changer. Slow meditation type tracks slow our breathing and heart rate and help us to achieve a deep state of relaxation. Others can act as triggers for certain memories and how they make us feel. And there are playlists of fast, upbeat music to work out to or run to. Music that puts us in a can-do state. Salespeople have long used this technique, you know, playing their favourite motivational track en route to their next sales meeting. So, you know, create your own playlist of tracks that makes you feel confident, capable and brilliant. Play it whenever you visualise your goals. More of that in a minute. On, on, you know, on your way to key presentation or pitches or wherever, wherever you have a setback or a feeling low. It's going to help you get back to a state from which you can do something about it. Our sense of smell can also quickly and powerfully change our state, particularly it's as it's the only sense that goes directly into our brain without being filtered or altered in any way. Certain smells, lavender, uh, for example, relaxes us, or that of a sea breeze can invigorate us. These will not only oxygenate our brains and bodies, but change our state too. The second of what Tony Robbins calls his triad, you know, his triad of focus, language and physiology. The second is language. The language we use with ourselves and with others has an impact on our state. You know, if our internal and external dialogue is ripe with, I'm not good enough, I can't, it's not fair, it's not my fault. Well, we will remain stuck in a disempowered state. Words are powerful. They cause fights, enable reconciliation, incite anger, spark love, provide reassurance and create laughter or tears. Have you paid attention to the soundtrack you play in your mind? You know, if you spoke to your best friend in that way, how would they respond? Would they still even be your friend? It's time you started to use words of support, encouragement, belief and forgiveness. Talk yourself up rather than down. You probably know the expression, mind your language, as an admonishment not to swear. Well, use it to remind yourself to keep the language you use with yourself and with others positive, encouraging and empowering. The third leg of that triad is physiology. So there's an incredibly strong link between the way we think and therefore feel and our bodies. Equally changes in our physiology, our body posture can have an impact, a big impact on the way that we feel. If you're not convinced, try this. Try uh, sitting down in your chair into a slouching position as you listen to this. Then slump your shoulders, drop your head, look down to the right and yawn. Well, how do you feel? Alert? Positive? Energised? I doubt it. So now put your feet flat on the floor, slide your backside to the back of the chair, sit upright, lift your head and smile, and I guarantee you're going to feel more positive and energised almost immediately. So of the three ways, focus, language and physiology, to change your state and and therefore the way you feel, changing your body posture is the quickest. So if your energy tends to sag in the late afternoon, when it does, stand up, take a walk around the room or the block if you've got time to, Get some fresh air while you're at it. Breathe deeply, drink a glass of water and smile. It's much more effective and better for you than another cup of coffee. So one of the things that you could practice is, you know, let's go forward this exercise, go use this exercise. Pick a problem that you've been struggling to solve. You know, what states would most help you solve that problem and achieve your desired outcome? Creativity, certainty, insight, determination, Well, for each person and problem, this list is going to be different. 
So get out of your old state of mind and your own way by changing your physiology and interrupting your existing pattern of thinking. So stand up, move around, <laughs> take three deep breaths, do 10 push-ups, take that deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth and remember to smile. So you've changed your state and tap into the power of NLP by picking a desired state. Let's say creativity, i.e. in order to achieve your desired outcome, you're going to need the state of creativity and you want to develop or harness that state of creativity as a resource to help you solve the problem. Well, here's how you do it. Say we're going to pick that state of creativity. Go back to a time when you had one inspired, brilliant idea after another. Go back to that time in your mind and relive it. See what you were seeing back then. Hear what you were saying to yourself and what you could hear around you. And feel the feelings that you were feeling back then. Now, think about another time when you were equally creative. Where were you? What did you see? What did you hear? And as you relive the experience... Notice how a feeling of creativity is building inside you. Finally, pick a third time. You are feeling at your most creative. And just as before, relive it. See what you were seeing, hear what you were hearing, and feel what you were feeling, that feeling of creativity growing inside you now. Now edit these three instances, like little little movie clips together in your head, and watch them back to back, one after another in your mind's eye. As you do so, seeing what you were seeing, hearing what you were hearing, and feeling what you were feeling back then, notice how much more creative you start to feel. Creating a trigger or an anchor in NLP terminology will allow you to access this creative state at will. A trigger can be something physical, turning a ring on your finger, say, or touching your left earlobe, or a music track that you play in your mind. But whatever it is, make sure it's unique to the state that you want to access. Rerun that movie again, the one you've just created in your mind. And just at the point you feel most creative, turn that ring, touch your earlobe, or play your chosen track of music to create an association between your trigger and your new heightened state of creativity. The more you repeat doing so as you watch your creative movie, the stronger the link will become. In fact, just like Pavlov's dog, soon a mere turn of the ring will be enough to make you feel creative. Just make sure you pick an anchor that's unique for each separate state you want to develop. So remember, state first. Get the state right and everything else will follow. So the second step of my Strive model, T is for talk, self-talk in particular. Now self-talk is the conversations that we have with ourselves in our head. It's the questions we ask, the thoughts that we have and the things that we say. It can take place in the first person, I can do this. Or the third person, you can do this. So self-talk can be encouraging. I have what it takes. You're getting better at this. And it can help us to build an empowering state. Or it can be negative. Oh, I always mess things up. Oh, you're no good at this. And those kind of uh, negative, disempowering self-talk can cause us to doubt our own ability and erode any self-belief that we may have had. So there are four strategies we can use to improve our self-talk. Number one, awareness. Second, find and replace. Third, affirmations. And fourth, affirmations. So first, awareness. The first stage in solving any problem is to become aware of it. You're making, you may have spoken to yourself negatively for so long that you're not even aware of how damaging this is or that even that you're malpracticing yourself in such a way. So whenever you feel demoted, angry, shy, insecure, it's because you're focusing on things that aren't in line with who you are. Your self-talk or the images that you're creating or paying attention to in your mind is triggering those feelings, i.e. what you're saying to yourself and what you're paying attention to is triggering the way that you feel. So use them to draw your attention to your self-talk. 
start to pay attention to the conversation that's going on in your head. Are the things you're saying helpful? Are they encouraging and positive? Or are they negative and discouraging? Imagine you've just admonished yourself for saying something like dropping a glass, for example, telling yourself, oh, you stupid idiot, or something considerably more colourful. Well, that is actually, you know, totally out of proportion to what you did. What would happen if you spoke to your best friend like that every time they made a mistake? Well, they're probably not going to remain your friend for long, are they? So why would you speak to yourself in that way? Stop giving yourself a hard time and give yourself a good talking to instead. So the second stage here is find and replace. You know, I'm sure you're all familiar with the editing tools which allow you to search a document for every instance of a particular word and replace it with a new one. So it's time to follow their example. Whenever you catch yourself saying something negative yourself, say negatively to yourself, replace it with something encouraging and or empowering. Some people also find it helpful to use the word cancel first. So, for example, I can't do this. Cancel, I can do this. So police your thoughts. Every time you catch yourself being hard on yourself, counter it with being kind, encouraging and supportive. Affirmations, the third step. The word affirmation originally comes from the Latin affirmare, meaning to to make steady or strengthen. Today, affirmations are phrases that repeated regularly as a mantra can help us to program our minds and build strong, empowering beliefs and states. Although some people might be tempted to mock them, after all, you know, sitting at home, (laughs) repeating to ourselves over and over again, I am rich, I am rich, I am rich. Clearly, that's not going to work, even if they, (laughs) even if uh, you've agreed to uh, this as a replacement to I'm not good enough, or I always mess things up. You know, over time, the things that we say to ourselves, the things that we will affirm, will have a profound profound effect on our psyche and the results that we achieve. So, yes. Saying positive things to yourself is part of the process of achieving those. Saying I'm rich, I'm rich over the time, you've got to take action, absolutely critical. But my point here is, if you say to yourself all the time, I'm never going to be rich, I'm always going to be poor, you will never take the actions that will result in the progress and achieve the results that you want. So the things that we say to ourselves are absolutely critical because they change our state and therefore change the actions that we'll take and the results that then follow. Once you become aware of the things that you say to yourself, you can start to change them. And affirmations can be effective at changing the tone of a conversation from negative to positive and at reprogramming a mind. You know, there are entire books dedicated to affirmations and a quick search online will reveal numerous lists of suggested (laughs) affirmations that will inspire you and create you. So some of my favourites include, I've got this. I'm always in the right place at the right time to do the right deal. I let go of worries that drain my energy. I have as much, if not more, to offer the world as the next person. And of course, the mother of all of them, I am good enough. Number four, affirmations. A fundamental challenge with the affirmations that we just discussed in the last point lies in believing what you say. If, for example, you say, day by day, in every way, I'm getting wealthier and wealthier, but your bank balance on the size of your net assets isn't increasing, then, of course, you're going to start to question whether there's anything... Um, well, you know, whether there's anything in it or whether this is just some new age mumbo-jumbo. But um, So unless you believe something will happen, it won't. So Noah St. John has a different take on this in his book, Affirmations. He calls the distance between our current and our desired reality, he calls that the belief gap. The greater the distance between the two, the greater the chance that doubts about our ability to close the gap will creep in. So over to, come, to overcome this... 
Noah St. John suggests that we ask questions of ourselves. If we want to earn more money, for example, the obvious question to ask is, how can I make more money? Or if we want to have a better relationship with our children, we could ask, how can I improve my relationship with my children? Questions have a powerful impact on our minds. Just like a search engine such as Google typing a question into our minds will present us with a list of possible answers, ask a question of ourselves with sufficient conviction and persistence and belief and our minds will keep searching until they come up with the answer. Be careful though, again, just like Google, the more accurately we phrase our question, the better the result. And questions such as why do I always mess things up or why does this always happen to me clearly aren't helpful because your brain's going to come up with an answer. Unfortunately, they're the ones that are all too often asked with the most persistence, which simply makes us feel terrible and reduces our belief that we can do anything to remedy the situation. You know, to put it mildly, it takes the wind out of our sails. In time, so it's, it's time rather, to ask better questions and to construct them in a different way. Questions such as what are the ways in which we can increase sales by 20% next quarter or what can help us win that new client, even these might fall into another trap. How can we bring in an extra 50,000 sales, 50,000 in sales in the next month might produce the response, we can't. Well, if it does, we've obviously failed to address the belief gap. Or our brains might come up with a list of things that we need to do that's so long or so difficult that we get overwhelmed and we do nothing. So in other words, be careful about how you construct your questions. And Noah St. John recommends the four following steps to close the gap. Ask what you want. Form a new question that assumes that you've that what you want is already true. Accept the truth of that new question, then act. So imagine you phrase the question this way. Why is it so easy to bring in an extra 50,000 in sales this month? Why is it so easy to bring in an extra 50,000 in sales this month? Well, what does that presuppose? Well, it presupposes that it'll be easy to achieve your goals within the time frame. Um, and that as you ask it, what happens to any doubts you have around them, the ability to achieve them? Will they go? Well, at least they're diminished, don't they? So... Noah St. John, John calls this type of question an affirmation. So think of a goal of your own, form a question using the same format. Why is it so easy to dot, 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 in, dot, dot, time frame, and ask it out loud 10 times? It'll make you feel more confident and you'll find a way to achieve it within the defined pro period. You know, if your mind hasn't already come up with the answer to the question that is. The for the process to work, we also need to believe the question is true, that it's not only possible, that it is easy to achieve our goal within our chosen time frame. And the more we ask such questions with the belief that our brains will eventually come up with the answer, the more likely we, this will be able to happen. I strongly suggest that you take each area of your life, your family, your business, your hobbies, your health, your relationships, your spirituality, and you write affirmation goals for each. So say them out loud and with conviction or record them on a, in your smartphone and listen to them on a regular basis, on a daily basis. They're going to help drive out negativity you may have conditioned to yourself. R in strive, we've done the S and the T and now into R. R is rituals. You know, In a world in which people are constantly distracted by the next shiny objects that come over the horizon, consistency is a powerful differentiator. Although it's true that some clients look to me for a silver bullet that you're going to double their revenue or profits, unfortunately, there isn't one. It's the accumulation of many small changes executed consistently over time that make the significant difference. In fact, 
I often liken my role to that of a guiding hand on the tiller, providing the subtle course corrections that gently nudge my clients back onto course. Rugby player Will Greenwood wrote of the experience of being uh, part of England's 2003 World Cup winning team. Greatness is achieved through the discipline of attending to detail. We had a simple catchphrase that we used that said, if we can do 100 things 1% better, then we can become world champions. I once worked with a a lady who was training to compete in the 2012 Olympics in the modern pentathlon and was receiving some coaching from Olympic gold medalist Duncan Goodyear. His advice from the swimming point of view was to focus on taking one second, just one second, a week off her time in the pool. But doing so consistently and cumulatively over the course of a year will result, of course, in 52 seconds saved. Only eight seconds shy of a minute. Now, that's a significant improvement just by consistently and cumulatively improving by one second a week. Many of us recognise that the compound effect... Um, or interest, you know, uh, we'll see and understand the power of it. So just to give you an example of the compound effect, imagine you take a penny and you double it every day for 30 days. By day 10, you'll have £5.12p or $5.12. But by day 20, you're going to have 5242.88. And by day 30, you'll have amassed an impressive 5368709 pencil sense. Any action carried out consistently gathers momentum and over time it can create spectacular results. So get into the habit of making consistent small gains across many areas to improve the performance of your business. Let's look at morning rituals. A habit is something that we do without thinking it. If someone holds their hand out for a greeting, we shake it. Just as athletes warm up for a race, many successful business people start their day with a ritual by following their example we can start set our days up for success and have a successful day. So make a point every morning for firstly, be grateful. Be grateful for the things that you have in your life and the things that are going well. It will help to calm your impatience about reaching your destination. So be grateful. The second thing, visualize your medium and your long-term goals. Imagine you've already achieved those and focus on the feeling, living the achievement, the delight, the satisfaction and the sense of achievement that you'll feel having already achieved those goals. Next, visualize the day ahead. Picture yourself achieving the things that you want for that day and being able to respond to any challenges that may arise. Tune into your identity, read through your identity statement, I'm going to cover more of that in a minute, and condition your mind to the identity of the person you want to become. Get moving. Whether it's an hour in the gym, 20 minutes walking the dog, or using stairs instead of the lift, or a quick seven-minute workout app, moving is going to get you the oxygen flowing to your brain. Wearables that track your movement are a great way to encourage you to do more. Meditating or practicing mindfulness. Take a few minutes to pause, to focus on your breathing, in through your nose and out through your mouth, bringing your mind gently back to the breath. And whenever it wonders, that's going to help you to feel calmer and in control. You know, you'll find free guided meditations of five to ten minutes from apps such as Headspace and Calm. And these are going to help you develop the practice of meditation, but also lower your stress, increase your awareness, enable you to access and tap into your intuition at will. Also, improving your sense of well-being. Hydrate. Aim to at least to drink at least two liters of water per day. 
you'll be uh, have more energy and more alert. And something I'm playing with it now, I, uh, I, I saw on a social media post was aim to have three wees before 10 o'clock. And uh, as a result of water, I hasten to work rather than piling yourself full of tea or coffee. So hydrate. Many of us experience a level of fatigue because we're not hydrated enough. And greater hydration also helps with uh, weight loss as well. So find a morning routine that works for you, a morning ritual that works for you. Uh, if you want to look in, so I've suggested a number of points. I've said being grateful, practice gratitude, you know, be grateful, visualize, run through and read through your identity. More on that in a minute. Get moving, practice meditating or mindfulness and hydrate. But if you want to read wider or experience other ways, uh, other rituals, then take a look at The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod or Check on YouTube and search in for Tony Robbins' priming technique and you get taken through a 10-minute or so um, morning routine. Um, there's also, um, if you look for the Omvana app and you'll see Vishen uh, Lakhiani's six-phase meditation, another great morning r- routine. And also um, take a read of the 5am club by Robin Sharman. So you'll find amongst all of what I've just suggested something that really will work for you. But if you're really pushed for time, then at least grab a couple of minutes to read through your goals or listen to a voice memo of you reading your identity statement aloud on the way to work or whilst queuing for your morning coffee and visualize yourself achieving them. Right, identity. So this is the eye of strive. Great quote, anonymous quote here. We do not, we do not see things as they are. We see things as we are. So whether you are aware of it or not, the way that we see ourselves and the person we see ourselves as shapes how we feel about ourselves and determines the actions that we take. Let me give you an example. I once coached a successful lady who ran an area, um, you know, a region, an area for a bank. And the turnover for her patch, for her, her business within the bank was eight million. In fact, with that turnover, it was one of the biggest businesses in her patch. However, when I asked her, so who do you see yourself as? Um, I got a somewhat lackluster reply, which was a bank manager. So I said, well, wow, that clearly inspires you. You know, she'd also, um, you know, seen herself throughout uh, throughout the whole time in her career as a bank manager. So as we continued our discussion, it became clear that the fact she was running one of the largest businesses in her town and that leaders of comparable businesses were CEOs, this was something that she never considered. So I said, what would it be like if you were the CEO of an £8 million business? What would you be like with your staff? How would you lead them? How would you dress? How would you stand or walk into a room as a CEO of, God, let's make it a £12 million business? Finally, we wrote out her new identity, You know, described her as the CEO of a £12 million business, something that she could not only focus on daily, but that she was able to achieve in less than 18 months. So if you see yourself as confident, successful and resourceful business person, you'll approach that potentially powerful strategic partner, risk launching that new product or make those key hires and convince backers that your business is worthy of investment. Also, you can scale your business. If you see yourself, however, as running a small local business that's just about makes enough money for you to live on, then you're not going to take the action you need to become a more profitable regional, never mind national player. Likewise, seeing yourself as a CEO of a successful successful national company, um, but not as a CEO of one trading internationally, that's going to hold you back also. 
So unless you first spend time thinking about how you will launch in a new country, how you'll recruit, market, supply the new demand, and then take action, you're never going to grow internationally. So the way we see ourselves, our identity, affects the actions that we take, the way we conduct ourselves in pitches to a new business, and whether we even put ourselves forward to pitch in the very first place. And not just the way we see ourselves either, the labels we use for ourselves can have an equal impact. All of us are going to have titles, whether assigned to ourselves or by others, from mum or dad to son, daughter, friend, best friend, and from boss to business owner or entrepreneur. And the impact of each is fascinating. Note, for example, the impact of the following on the way that you feel mentally by trying each one of them on for side. On for size, sorry. Entrepreneur versus manager. Winner versus struggler. Wealthy versus skint. Spouse versus soulmate. Fitness enthusiast versus athlete. Managing director versus CEO. Salesperson versus sales superstar. First, imagine yourself as someone whose hobby is keeping fit, for example, and then as an athlete. What actions would you take as the latter as an athlete? You know, what would you do differently in terms of training and nutrition? Um, automatically, if you saw yourself as an athlete rather than a fitness enthusiast. A change in one word, in the label you give yourself, can have a profound impact on the results that you achieve. If calling yourself an entrepreneur inspires you to take the action you need to achieve your goals, great. If so doing makes you feel like a fraud because you don't feel you've earned that title yet, then use one that makes you feel good about yourself instead. But making a change at the level of identity, well, when you make a change at the level of identity, everything else will fall into place. You know, shortly after... The woman I was coaching changed her identity from being bank manager to CEO. Although we hadn't specifically been working on her strategy skills, which as a CEO of a £12 million business she's going to have done automatically, not only did she achieve the £12 million goal within an 18-month period, her next role, <laughs> she was recruited from head office to go do a strategy role in head office. This stuff around identity and programming your mind with a new identity, uh, the you know the vision of the person that you want to grow into, the want to become, is so powerful. So think of a business, so think of the kind of business you want to have, as well as the results you would like to achieve in your life this year and over the next five years. What kind of person would it take to achieve those results in their stride? You know, what kind of person would automatically achieve the kind of results that you want to achieve? over the next five years. You know, what kind of person would it take? You know, write down your answers to the following. What would they think? How would they conduct themselves? How would they use their time? How would they inspire and lead their team? How would they build strategic partnerships and relationships? How would they maintain pace and performance? How, what would they do to build their brand? What would they focus on each and day and each week? What three questions would they regularly ask themselves to keep themselves focused on the most important things to move their business forward? What would they not do? Use your answers to craft a following statement, you know, a, a future version of yourself, one that will propel you to the results that you desire. That starts, I am. So an example identity statement might be, I'm a talented, driven, and highly resourceful entrepreneur. I'm always in the right place at the right time to do the right deal. I'm surrounded by a team of A-grade players. My employees are engaged, talented, and totally committed to the vision of the business and passionate about living and delivering on our purpose. 
we have a growing tribe of raving customers and customers to be who are brilliant advocates for our product and services, referring to us, uh, referring us to new customers. We have a number of strategic partnerships built on mutual respect and genuine mutual benefit. I spend time on the things that I'm naturally brilliant at that make the biggest difference to the growth of the business. I have the same energy, passion and spark for the business and my work that I did when I founded it, if not more. I'm proud of the people we've developed in the business and the great things they do for our business, for our customers on a daily basis. All of the members of my team take personal responsibility for the delivery of their objectives and, along with me, uphold our values and standards. Our focus is delivering our product or service in such a way as to make a consistent and positive difference in the markets that we serve. We are an award-winning business, recognised as leaders in our sector, and this is a position we're committed to maintaining. My business runs efficiently whilst I'm not there due to the robustness of our systems and the training and capability of our people. The people, this allows me to spend time working on the business and planning the next strategic move. I feel grateful every day that I'm able to enjoy such rewarding work with a great group of employees, partners and customers. Now, invest your time and energy in crafting your own identity statement. After all, you're designing your future self. And as the saying goes, most people spend more time planning their summer vacation than planning their life. So give yourself the gift of creating an amazing future you, one that you can be proud of and enjoy being. Once you're happy with your identity statement, save it in a notes app or on your smartphone or tablet, or ideally use your phone's voice memo to record yourself reading it so that you can keep it with you wherever you go and either read it or preferably you know, listen to it at least once a day. Our brains can't tell the difference between what we vividly imagine and reality. So the more we read our or listen to our identity statements, the more we'll program our con- unconscious to deliver the result. Let's go to the next step, V, visualization, my favorite. We all run what-if scenarios through our minds. We spend time thinking about what we hope, we fear. Might be around the corner at work, at home, or even on our next night out. And for many of us, our default scenario is a bad news, and we spend time imagining what we'll do when something doesn't work out. Um, you'll know there'll be, you're glad to know there's a technical term for this, worry. And you know, if you're going to think about the future, why not make it a good one? Why not choose to think about the future that you want rather than the one that you don't want? You know, Rather than... <laughs> practicing uh, to qualify for the Olympics in the, the discipline of worry, you know, plan for the future you do want. Spend time thinking about, imagining the things that you'd like to take place. And of course, this process is known as visualization. And it's proven to be very effective in sports psychology. In fact, it's been a key part of the mental training regime for top athletes and sporting teams for decades. You know, before a race, for example, top top athletes will run it over and over and over in their mind hundreds of times they vividly see themselves winning they hear the cheers of the crowd as they take the gold medal and they feel the elation and pride and sense of achievement of winning sports psychologist dr stephen bull author of the game plan has described how the more vivid the mental imagery during visualization the more effective our brain is at priming our muscles to carry out that same physical and technical actions in a real game And studies have proven that the more immersed in the experience we are during our visualization, the better. For example, the skills of the athletes that regularly use fully immersive imagery improve. So let's bring our scope and our conversation back to the world of business. If you want to improve your performance of a particular skill, be it presenting, negotiating, analyzing, decision making, then visualize. Visualize the results that you want on a regular basis. At the beginning of each day, Close your eyes and visualize your day ahead. 
See it in all the activities you've planned going well. See yourself achieving your objectives. If you've got a meeting scheduled that you expect to be a particularly challenging one, imagine it going well and resulting in mutual understanding and agreement on the way forward. In fact, if you're heading to a meeting and you need a parking space, (laughs) visualise one becoming available before you get there. I know this is going to sound wacky, but I encourage you to give it a go. Just um, don't be too surprised that more times than not, and provided you believe that there will be one, a space will appear when you need it. The more you visualise a goal, whether it's finding a life partner um, or doubling your business, the more likely you are to achieve it. You know, if you've got an important pitch coming up with a major new prospective customer, in the weeks and days leading up to it, picture as vividly as you can the meeting going well. See yourself delivering a strong and persuasive pitch. See the decision maker smiling, looking engaged at key moments. Hear them asking challenging questions and see their satisfied response as you take each of those challenging questions in your stride and deal with them adequately. Feel your confidence and persuasiveness during the meeting. Then hear your conversation. Hear the the conversation when they call to say, congratulations, you've won the contract and feel your sense of excitement and satisfaction of your success. Remember, the more vividly and frequently you imagine the meeting going well, the better you prepare your nervous system to deliver a deal-winning performance. You know, the key thing here is the not only the pictures you create in your head, but it's experiencing and living the feeling as uh, of of the accomplishment of the goal as if it was happening right now. So. You know, if you'd really like to take, just to repeat that, if you'd like to take the power of visualisation to another level, two things, bear in mind. Your feelings on achieving the goal and the feelings you'll experience from living your life with that thing already in place, that goal having been achieved, are essential, as more essential or as essential as picturing the achievement. You know, live the feeling of accomplishing your goal now. It will accelerate your progress towards achieving them. If your goal involves someone else, say a business deal, say... When you're doing that visualization, visualize the deal being a win-win for them. Visualize them being pleased with the deal, excited, and it's an achievement of a goal from them for them as well as it's an achievement as a goal for yourself. So visualize that both parties in the deal is a winner and it's a win-win. To convince any doubters amongst you, let me share you uh, with you a visualization story that worked for me. When I was studying for my chartered accountancy qualification, the final exams, well, before I got to the final exams, the, the, the first major set of exams were the intermediates. It consisted of five papers and the pass mark for each uh, was 55 and I was brilliantly consistent. I got 54% in one, 53% in another, 52% in another, 52% in another and 51% in another. In other words, I was consistent, but I just missed out on all five of those exams. In fact, I was on my way to be kicked out and be, uh, of KPMG with whom I had a training contract when I was offered an olive branch and a temporary contract while I resat them. So although I eventually succeeded, it was unbelievably tough and it took two more attempts to get through those intermediate to pass those intermediate exams you know to get all five of those papers and every single holiday I used up for study and additional unpaid leave and evenings and weekends so um I then went straight into studying for the next major set of exams the final exams and I knew I needed to do something differently I simply didn't have enough left in the tank for any more resets and it was that time the meaning of a quote that I'd heard years ago actually made sense to me you know that quote is it's easier to succeed than it is to fail suddenly became clear because whereas I'd once thought surely it's easier to fail all you've got to do is put your feet up I now realize that if you really want something 
in this case to pass my exams the first time, doing so is easier than having to take reset after reset. So what though could I do differently to increase my chances of passing the final exams the first time? You know, it's at this point that I remembered one of the key strategies around mindset that I'd learned at the age of 15, the importance of setting yourself a goal and then visualizing it. I realized that I had to start passionately visualizing my success at the first sitting of the final exams. Now, at the time, you find out about the results because they were published, uh, first of all, in the Times on a Saturday, the Times newspaper. And if you didn't want to wait to the post arriving through your letterbox at home, you would dash down, rush down to your local news agent, grab yourself a, cop- a copy of the Times, usually at half past six in the morning, and um, that's how you'd find out the results. So what I started to do was I started to visualise my name in the section of the uh, of the lists that had passed, you know, complete pass, compassed all the papers. The names of the successful candidates were listed in small print, in long, narrow columns. And in my visualisation, I don't know why, but for some reason I visualised that the right-hand edge of one line was Preston GNS, my surname and initials, and the left-hand edge of the next line down was KPMG Preston, the office and the firm in the office where I worked. So right-hand edge of one line, Preston GNS, and the left-hand edge of the next line down, KPMG Preston. For six months... Every morning and every night, before every morning as I woke up and every night before I went to sleep, I imagined reading this newspaper, seeing it vividly, seeing it right on edge of one line and left on edge of the next line, as I've explained, explained. Reading this and feeling my elation, satisfaction, delight, glee, and to be honest, utter relief, you know, as I watched a movie of me um, picking up the newspaper and seeing my name in exactly the same way. Well, let's fast forward several months to the day of the results. I was waiting outside the door of the news agents uh, as soon as it opened and I grabbed my copy of the Times and I turned to the section where I'd unfortunately been so many times before, the section of partial passes. And I looked down the list, P, P, R, P, R, E, P, R, E, S. And my name wasn't there. My heart was in my mouth because I, I, I that meant one of two things. I had a complete pass of all the results, of all the papers, or I'd completely failed on all of them. So I, call, I turned heart and mouth to the complete passes section. I looked down the list, P-P-R-E-P-R-E-S, and what I saw just fried my circuits, blew my mind. The right-hand edge of one line, Preston GNS, and the left-hand edge of the next line down, KPMG Preston, exactly as I'd visualised it. Now, some of you may prefer to believe that this was nothing more than a coincidence, but one thing I do know is it created a fantastic result. In fact, I'd actually not only passed all the exams first time, I'd actually won the prize of the first prize of the Northwest Region of the Institute of Chartered Accountants of England and Wales. In other words, I was the top student in my region. When I sat in the intermediate exams, I was the only one in my office where I was training to fail all of the exams, and now I was the only one who'd passed all the final exams. None of the partners at uh, KPMG Press at the time could actually believe it. So you are you are today what your thoughts of yesterday have brought you. you know, you're going to be tomorrow where your thoughts of today take you. So pause. You know, it's time to take a good look in the mirror and accept responsibility for what's going on in your life and visualise and focus on and create the reality that you do want. First, of course, you've got to know what you want, but then start to um, actively engage in the thought, feel the feelings that you're feeling once you've achieved that and visualise achieving those goals and live it. Visualise those on a regular basis. So let's go to, we're nearly there, let's go to E of strive, empowering beliefs. Now, if you believe you're capable of achieving a certain goal, 
you're more likely to take the necessary steps and persevere until you do so. If you don't, you won't. It's as simple as that. Our beliefs inform so much of us, yet they can act as the strong platform on which we're able to build our success or a sinking sand that prevents us from building anything meaningful. So beliefs that help us are empowering beliefs and those that don't are disempowering beliefs. And a, a belief that encourages us, that makes us feel capable, strong, and opens us up to the possibility, I can do this, is empowering. Uh, any that introduce doubt causes to question our capabilities or to support a worldview I can't are disempowering. So examples, empowering beliefs are, I can't, so I'll let, well actually what I'll do is I'll, I'll go down the, flipping a disempowering to a, an empowering. So disempowering, I can't, becomes I can. I'm no good at leading, becomes I am a strong leader. I'm always short of money because I'm wealthy. I'm no good at relationships. I am a loving, attractive and desirable partner or spouse. I am no good at public speaking. I am a confident public speaker. I'm not in control of my life. Life seems to deal me one blow after another. I create my world. Anything I don't like, I have the ability to change. People always let me down. People are fundamentally good. I'm a terrible negotiator. I am a good negotiator. Times are tough. We live in time of opportunity. There's no chance. There's always a way if you're committed. I can't double my business. I can double my business. But I'm not good enough. I am good enough. Going about your day-to-day business with disempowering beliefs running in your background is just going to hold you back. You'll no doubt, you'll, you'll doubt yourself and you'll lack the confidence to take the steps necessary, as I've already said. So to scale our business, for it to thrive, we need to believe that it's possible, which is why we create a set of we need to create a set of empowering beliefs as part of our new identity, and it can run as an operating system in the background. But what if you're stuck in an old negative thought pattern? Well, um, over time, that negative thought pattern, a doubt about our abilities, may have formed an opinion and as we look and find more evidence to support it it might have grown into a belief and then with further reinforcement and further evidence it can create a conviction so if you start by thinking i'm I'm no good at public speaking your brain will go in search of evidence to support that hypothesis and before you know it you'll have come up with a list of experiences that appear to validate that oh well there was that time where you forgot your lines in the school play and then there was the time you had to lead a seminar at university and some of your classmates were sniggering at the back of the room and well don't forget the team meeting at work when you were trying to deliver a presentation but your boss kept talking over you in fact it's no wonder you've never been able to deliver a best man speech well We've already established that the meanings we attach to things change how we feel and the actions we go on to take or not take. We could, for example, interpret the list above as a prompt for to book some training and develop our skills in presenting, public speaking. Unfortunately, many of us will instead interpret it as evidence to prove the hypothesis, I'm not good at public speaking. Hardening our hypothesis into an opinion simply sends our brains off in search of yet more evidence to check out if that's correct. And we all know the more that we look for something, we're going to find it. So before we know if we, before we know, we've added several more situations to our list and the opinion I'm not good at public speaking hardens into a belief. Tony Robbins in his his book Unlimited Power suggests that the evidence of a hypothesis uses a metaphor of a tabletop and each piece of a so-called evidence being another leg that supports that tabletop, that hypothesis. The more legs supporting that tabletop, the stronger that belief is going to be. So just to destabilize it, knock away each of those legs, those 
uh, invalidate each of those bits of evidence that you've selected one by one by questioning the validity of the meanings we've assigned to each of those on the list. Um, invalidate them. They simply fall away. You know, what relevance has forgetting the lines in the school play got to do with it? You know, the fact that the fact that your boss talked over you says more about your boss than your ability as a public speaker. So knock each one leg away. You know, the first leg of the table knocked away. You know, might be that your classmates laughing at something that you said rather than your presentation. The next step, you know, once you've one by one invalidated each of those bits of evidence that have supported the old disempowering belief, um, the next step is to build a new empowering belief. So follow the same process. Start with a new hypothesis. Um, the more practice I get, the better I get. Um, how about the amazing team meeting that you ran or the pitch you delivered that helped to win that new customer? Again, the more you look for evidence, the more you'll find it. Before you know it, you're going to have new strong um, legs to support your tabletop, supporting empowering beliefs. Do that for each of those, shifting each disempowering belief to an empowering belief. So there's strategies in this strive model. State, self-talk, rituals, identity, visualization, and empowering beliefs. They need practice. And the more you practice them, the faster you'll achieve your goals. The sooner you get started, the more time you'll have to enjoy what you truly desire, desire and deserve. So give yourself the gift of at least 10 minutes working on your mindset every day. It will offer you the greatest return of anything that you do. Design yourself a new identity. That, you know, that kind of person that's easily able to achieve your goals. An identity for you to grow into. Practice daily visualization of your goals. Not just seeing it, but living it, experiencing the feeling of what it's going to be like uh, when, the, when, when you're living that life with those goals already in place. Success is made up from lots of little actions taken consistently. So pay attention to your habits. And if, you don't serve, if they don't serve you, change them. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms. Enjoy more success and create more impact.